Talk to us now and go to the TNT Radio interactive live chat room at tntradio.live. Lighting the fuse for freedom. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Interviews, news, and views. You're listening to State of the Nation on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Okay, welcome to Hour 2 of State of the Nation. I am Steve Hook, broadcasting live from the Central Jersey Shore. And there he is. That's Brian hesher McLean. He's doing his thing live from Central Texas. Uh, and, of course, you can visit us live all the time at tntradio.live. Watch us, listen back, check out the page. It's a great page. And as our friend from the uh, our friends from the Flyover Conservative said, it is a wonderful app too. So we uh, highly recommend you uh, download that app. It's a good one. And we promise you we won't uh, spy on you for the Chinese government. Hey, by the way, uh, last December, Julian Assange's two-day public hearing was announced for February 20th and the 21st at the UK High Court to determine whether Julian will have permission to appeal his case or whether he'll be immediately extradited to the United States. Well, TNT will be at the Royal Courts of Justice broadcasting and covering the entire event for both days if required. It may only require one, but we're going to be there for the long haul. And then TNT will broadcast from various locations throughout London as we light the fuse for liberty. Today's News Talk TNT. Boy, I wish I was going to London for that, Hesher. Yeah, me too. Free Julian Assange. Let's get this over with. This has gone on way, way too long, and it is a it is the canary in the coal line for our freedom of speech and our constitution. And by the way, speaking of uh, events across the pond, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention that uh, it was announced today uh, that King Charles is suffering cancer, some kind. Uh, word from Buckingham Palace came out. Uh, in in hopes of quelling any speculation about the king's uh, health, they said, in order to tamp that down, we are informing you uh, that he is being treated for cancer. And, of course, it didn't go far enough because now people are saying, well, what kind of cancer has the king got? We don't know, but it must be somewhat serious because Prince Harry is flying to London as we speak uh, from his home somewhere in California, I reckon it is. He lives out there in the... Uh, in the in, in loony liberal bill so we just wanted to make mention of that uh hash before we bring in our next guest i gotta ask you did you see schumer and this people are going nuts on on twitter right now schumer is basically saying if you don't give us the money we want and the money we want now an additional 60 billion dollars to send over to uh, Ukraine to help the freedom fighters i mean the democratic slush fund for the 24 re-election campaign um, then we're going to send U.S. troops over there, and Americans won't like that. We're going to have to fight a war over there if you don't give us this uh, this $100 billion world aid package. What do you think about who that? Does, who does this creature think he is? I mean, he's he's literally, he, what, was, what was the quote here? He said, quote, if we don't aid Ukraine, Putin will be, will be walking all over Ukraine. We, we will lose the war and we could be fighting an Eastern Europe and NATO ally in a few years. Americans won't like that, end quote. He's literally threatening America. He's threatening Capitol Hill with World War III with a nuclear superpower if we don't write another massive check uh, with, you know, with 
ostensibly to protect Ukraine's border, while they want at the same time a whole bunch of more money, a whole bunch more billions of dollars to make our border insecure, to make our border more than porous, just a giant gaping hole with with what hosts there to greet everybody concierges dressed up in cbp outfits i mean no disrespect to cbt uh cbp but uh my goodness because i know a lot of them don't like this but i mean that's what their job is right now and that's what they don't like no they don't like it at all i mean i think that a lot of this money that would go to the border is probably just going to be uh you know, to install revolving doors, I guess. Like, yeah. We need some real nice glass revolving doors so we can just keep yeah, them and coming some red in. carpets leading to and from them. Absolutely. You need some rope lines. We need to, we need to dress it up for them. It's 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 utterly pathetic, but uh there it is. So uh here's an idea. Uh screw you, Schumer. Hey, uh, do you have an upcoming <laughs> you have an upcoming uh community event, maybe a rally, a march, festival, fundraiser of some kind? How'd you like some free publicity? TNT can make that happen. We'd love to promote it for you. All you need to do is visit the What's On Events calendar on the TNT Radio website and submit your event details, and we'll get the word out right here on today's News Talk TNT. Keeping the commitment 24-7. I've been in the car all day, and I got to listen. Can't get enough of it. You guys are doing a great job. Today's News Talk Radio TNT. Okay, well, as we continue to look for green shoots in this economy as after the much-hyped uh, inflation is over, and of course, they always throw in that caveat, but it does have a long tail, you see. Uh, so nobody's actually feeling the end of inflation. Nobody's living like inflation is over. Well, we want to look at the housing market. For example, uh, how's that going? Uh, how are the housing starts, i.e. new construction? How's that working out? Uh, how, how is How is the market in general uh is it overregulated? is there a supply problem maybe it's all of the above here to break it down is our friend a friend of the program san diego real estate broker mark powell mark hello my friend welcome back to state of the nation we've been told that inflation is dead but it has a long tail that's still throttling us all how is this playing into the into the housing market well, you don't need to have a PhD in economics to understand that when you have a limited supply, your demand will go up. Much of this, or maybe all of this, has to do with government intervention and government regulations. So here's what happens out here in California and some of the other areas. We have a law that's called CEQA, California Environmental Quality um, Act, uh, CEQA for short. What, what that did was try to mitigate the effects of development on certain areas, protected open space, which is not a bad idea. However, this overzealous law now is virtually preventing builders from building. They may find some property to build on, and then they'll say, oh, there's a, a shrimp there that lives or the birds eat, or we found a weird plant, or we have a, a gnat that flies around that's good for the ecosystem. So to get a project built, oftentimes, like seriously, it takes about a decade. But just to add to the problem, I just want to opine a little bit on your last segment. When you have 10 million people coming across a border, that's 10 million is a lot of people. They need homes. And if you look at Los Angeles, New York, and San Diego, three of the 
areas that increase the most, they have this crazy homeless population. Uh, in New York, it's about 90,000. In LA, it's about 70,000. And here in San Diego, it hovers around 12. But I don't think they're counting the people that are couch surfing, that are living in their cars, those types of people that are actually homeless. So if we can't build enough homes for the people that can afford it, how are we going to be able to build enough homes for the 10 million people that just came across the border? How are we going to build enough homes for the tens of thousands of homeless people that are currently living in the streets? So what we need to do is we need to ease up on some of these government regulations. We need to privatize the permitting process. But what I mean by privatizing is by allowing certain developers and architects to self-certify their properties. We need to implement uh, home mobile home parks. Remember those? Those mobile homes aren't the same that they were 50 years ago. I, you, you look at a mobile home today, you'll think you're in a, a penthouse up in a, a very upscale area. They're not approving those. So what you get now is a home price increase. No homes being built, no other options, and a lot of demand. Yeah, you know, I, I was watching uh, your your recent appearance on KUSI out there in San Diego, and the concept of affordable housing popped up. And I mean, uh, I figured this out when I was living in Monterey back in, geez, I don't know, in the in the mid two thousands when I was kind of starting to watch the real estate market around there, because they were building some things they called affordable housing right near where I was living, which was actually a old school uh, mobile trailer park. I had a, you know, living in Monterey is very expensive. I was a student and luckily uh, at the time I, I found a place, you know, it was quite affordable. It wasn't uh, a dump, you know, the neighbors were decent. And then, but to me, that was the affordable housing. But then right next to us, they start building this giant complex, you know, this subdivision and I'm looking at the houses in there and they did it all under affordable housing, but it took years to like even get to break ground. And then the price of the houses started to change with the market. They were supposed to start at 350. By the time the, the uh, subdivision was done, they were up to, you know, five, six, 650. Well, in San Diego here and probably in the other areas, permit fees constitute about 35 to 50% of the cost of buildings. So when you're looking at these government regulations, and you can always take the word permit fee and substitute it with tax, because a permit fee is essentially a tax, and we're taxed like crazy all over the United States. So with all of these high permit fees, it doesn't pan out for developers to build. It, it's so bad in San Diego. You guys, guess what affordable housing here in San Diego is? I'm serious when I say this. $750,000. Oh my gosh. That's the that's I'm the low serious. end too. It it goes up to like nine hundred, doesn't it? Absolutely. the The median price of a home here in San Diego. This is a home that's already been built for resale. Is about eight fifty to nine hundred thousand, and the average salary here is seventy thousand a year. But let me tie this into something that's really serious. When you start to have more people being homeless, when you have a porous border that's letting 10 million people across, when fentanyl, now, you know what fe uh, a fentanyl pill costs now? 25 cents. That's it. <laughs> 25 cents for fentanyl pill. You, it, we're, even though it's 25 cents, where are, these, where are these homeless people and people who can't find shelter, where are they going to get money? 
So they start committing crimes. And you see, you see this all over. You see these guys out in New York beating up police officers and then being led out to guess where they're coming. Uh, from all indications, they got a free bus ticket and they're coming to California. They're traveling all around. They're populating places. And if we don't start building homes or coming up with a plan to make homes affordable, we're going to have more people that are homeless. We're going to have more drug use because a lot of people who end up becoming homeless, whether they were homeless because of drugs or mental issues, end up doing drugs just because it's so hard to live out on the streets. We're going to have a serious, serious crime problem in the United States. And California, uh, New York, Chicago, no one is immune from this catastrophe that's occurring right now. Yeah. I mean, you know, I tell you, Mark, as, as you're saying that, I'm just shaking my head at the uh, at the illogic of it all. Because here you are in California, a state that prides itself on being the most compassionate, forward, progressive-thinking state in the world, yet they're making housing absolutely unaffordable. They're making homelessness, you know, a viable option. And uh, you know yep. what? Comes with a free public toilet, the sidewalk. Um <laughs> It it just it just doesn't it just doesn't uh, correlate. I mean, you know, something it's incongruent. The policy and their designed messaging uh, that we care, we're inclusive, we're all about diversity, and uh, we we really care. Unlike those greedy ass Republicans who don't care about anybody. Uh, and by the way, if you want a house, uh, if you can come up with just over a quarter of a mil, that'll be a good down payment. I don't understand. Do, do they have they not figured out that people are fleeing California like rats from a sinking ship, much like my state of New Jersey? People are fleeing from this state. Well, I can tell you, uh, Texas gave um, um, Newsom realtor of the year because he's responsible <laughs> probably for more people moving into Texas and Florida and, and other areas. They're they're they are leaving and they're not. Le and the people that are leaving are not. They're people who have money. Businesses are packing up and leaving. People with money are leaving. But you also have a lot of people on fixed income that may not be able to afford anymore the prices here in San Diego. But I'll tell you something that's really crazy because it's kind of opposite of people coming across the border to San Diego for a better life. There's about 30 to 40% of the properties being built in Tijuana that are being bought by U.S. citizens, because it's cheaper to buy a house in TJ and live here in San Diego. And I'll tell you what, there's a lot of people, people that I work with that commute from Tijuana to San Diego because they can't afford to buy in the United States. So we're seeing the reverse. We're seeing Americans leaving the country because they can't afford to buy a home in the place that they were born in. And I've actually sold I've sold properties here in San Diego to people who relocate to Mexico where the cost of living is cheaper. Jeez, amazing. Uh, absolutely amazing. Okay, Mark, we're just about out of time, but I, I, I got to get your, your uh, input on this. If you can be brief, please. Um, but what about San Diegans that may be up against losing a job? You know, I was living in California and I lost my job. And that was one of the things that made it like, you know what? I think I am going to leave this state because I can at least you know, subside uh, elsewhere without, you know, losing my quality of life or becoming homeless. You know, Brian, you just brought up a big point here, and this is going to affect everybody. With artificial intelligence, 
uh, ramping up, we're going to see a lot of people losing jobs. Uh, I mean, try and buy a video from Blockbuster, call the operator, you know, you, you, you try and book a flight with a travel agent. Yes, they still exist, but everybody's going with this AI. And I think that there is going to be a pretty substantial uh, employment issue here in San Diego and across the United States as AI ramps up and starts to replace people with their jobs. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Mark, we're out of time. We got to let you go. Thanks for bringing that one to the plate though, because that is a big one right there. Mark Powell, uh, it's always a pleasure. Thank you for joining us here on State of the Nation. We'll look forward to your next appearance. Thank you for having me. Thank you, guys. All right, this is State of the Nation on today's News Talk TNT. TNT's Timothy Shea. The race is essentially now Vivek Ramaswamy and Nikki Haley. Ron disappoints us will be pulling his hat from the ring next. And the issue, as always, is why is the Nikki taking so much of the left's money? Well, maybe this will give you a little insight. She credits Hillary Clinton with inspiring her to enter politics, having attended a women's leadership summit at which Hillary spoke. And Nikki said, and I quote, I then had to decide whether I was a Republican or Democrat. See, Nikki has no core beliefs other than doing whatever her globalist masters, paymasters, want her to say. The Reckoning with Timothy Shea on today's News Talk. TNT. Affordable housing, we can build that. Sustainable housing, we can build that. At MIT Modular, we understand the importance of housing for all and the importance of design, cost, and functionality. Our goal is to meet the needs of our growing population by converting shipping containers to livable units. If you're like-minded and in a position to invest in something meaningful and life-changing, we want to hear from you. We are a team of professional architects, engineers, and financial and tax experts dedicated to offering unique solutions that provide a brighter future. Our Opportunity Zone Fund offers investors both real estate and operating business diversification, five-year tax deferral on capital gains, annual tax benefits, and ultimately tax-free appreciation potential. There are Opportunity Zones all over America. If you're interested in learning more about our services, need affordable housing, or want to participate in creating a new vision for tomorrow, give us a call in the U.S. on 385-985-5702 or read more at MITModular.com. MIT Modular. We can build that. CO2 sustains all life on Earth, but now it's in long-term decline. We face the return of an ice age. We mandate that the truth be told. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. The National Federation of Republican Women is the only official Republican women's national organization. They've got 85 years of engaging and empowering women in the political process under their political belt and have been very active in activating grassroots power, working diligently on pro-life causes, and so many initiatives that support the longstanding traditional conservative values here in the United States. The newly elected president of the National Federation of Republican Women is joining us now. Julie Harris is our guest. Julie, thank you for joining us on State of the Nation. Congratulations on your election as president. And uh, since we're just meeting you and it's our first rodeo here, talk to us a little about the NFRW first. 
Well, thank you for having me. Um, I am looking forward to our visit. The National Federation of Republican Women, as you said, is 85 years old, and we are the largest Republican women's grassroots organization. There's lots of Republican women organizations, women who are tied to the Republican Party. But as you said, this is the official Republican women grassroots organization. We have tens of thousands of members all across the country. Uh, we do activate our members once the um, Republican nominee emerges. We will be ready on day one to unite our party and to go to work to win the White House, to win the Senate, and to, to gain a larger majority in the House. Yeah, well, hey, Julie, Steve Hook here. And again, congratulations on the new gig. Good for you. I hope you shake things up there. Um, yeah, I hope so. Now, you know, and there's some concern among the GOP because the fundraising numbers are just tanking for some reason. Uh, yeah. I find it stunningly hard to believe that Democrats are vastly out uh out raising republicans especially given what's going on in the country right now it's no secret who runs things it's not the republicans and yet democrats are getting hundreds of millions in funds i think the last i saw the uh the uh national gop has just over eight million dollars um that's not sustainable how are we going to get those numbers up and 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 what what are you and the uh and and your organization doing to help uh, kind of even this up a little well i think what you're seeing on the democrats i may be a little more united around their candidate we will begin to raise money as soon as we have our declared uh nominee and as far as the national federation of republican women in every election cycle we give on average anywhere from eight to 14 million volunteer hours and so if you were to take those millions of hours out of a campaign, or if you were to put a price to it, that is our contribution. So we do a whole lot of door-to-door, -door, a whole lot of phone calling, a lot of digital, a lot of just getting out the vote. That is what we're known for. That is our, our 85 years of rich history is successfully winning at grassroots. And that's what we'll contribute to this election as well. Here, well, that's here. a that's a, a mountain of hours right there. I mean, that's a lot of person hours for sure. When when you um you know when you meet with the people in your organization and interact with you know obviously you've got you know satellites in across the nation, which is amazing. We need this. Um, but when you interact with them, do you find that most most um is it all women? Should I say most women? I guess I will just say most women. Um, do you find that most women in, in, in the membership are America first in uh, mindset and, and well aware of sort of the, the, the trad rhino GOP trap that we're in right now? I would say the America first, that concept is yes. I, I would hope that would be at the front of every Republican, right? Every Republican, should, well, every American for that matter, should be American first. As far as, you know, the rhino, the patriot, the um, all the other names you may give to the various Republicans. Republicans, they're not monolithic in the way they think. Um, I am conservative. <laughs> I tend to be to the right of our platform. Not all of our, our women are, but I would call them all Republican. And so NFRW has a history of uniting the party. In 2016, if you remember, we had a very 
very rough primary. I mean, it was very uh, volatile. And as soon as that primary was over, as soon as President Trump had emerged as the nominee, we passed a resolution. It was a unity resolution calling on our members, members of Congress, and all Republicans to unite behind that nominee. And so we have a history of bringing us together. One thing I can say about our women, regardless of where they are on this Republican spectrum, how far they are to the right, are they to the center, or are they to the left of the center? They are America first, and they are committed to winning. I mean, we have a lot of energy this election cycle. I do not anticipate there being anyone that's holding out or anyone that's sitting home. I recently heard, haven't read about it, haven't read it, but heard that there was an article that Republican women are going to go for Biden if, if President Trump is to be our nominee. That's not true. The Republican women will vote Republican in this election. We will campaign for the Republican nominee, whoever that may be, and we will work to win the House, the Senate, and especially the White House. I mean, Biden's policies have left America hurting. I mean, th when you think about women's issues, I'm always asked about women's issues. Women's issues are American issues. We're, you really can't segregate women out of the overall issue of everyday Americans. And so when you look at who has the best plan, either of our Republican candidates would be able to lead the country and, and begin to correct what Biden has destroyed. Yeah, well said. And he has done a hell of a job destroying it. Uh, Julie, we have to take a real quick headline break. When we come back, I want to focus. I kind of want to drill down on what women want, uh, to borrow a line from an old Mel Gibson movie, because we've got uh, we've got one woman still in the race. So we'll talk about Nikki Haley and how this race is going to shake out as we continue our discussion with Julie uh, on State of the Nation right here on TNT. What's happening? Newsflash. TNT Radio News. For TNT, this is James O'Neill. Over a dozen Republican governors have joined Texas Governor Greg Abbott in Eagle Pass, Texas, to express their support for a stance against the Biden administration regarding the surge in illegal border crossings. Elon Musk, CEO of Tesla and SpaceX, has accused President Joe Biden and his administration of using the current migrant surge at the U.S. border to increase the Democratic Party's voter base. Southern California experienced significant damage due to a slow-moving storm system, with downtown Los Angeles breaking a 97-year-old rainfall the common housefly, caught in the clutches of the spider's web. Every move it makes just makes matters worse. Then, dinner time. Feast on the captivating stories, videos, and helpful information on our website. Whoa. Dinner's ready. Oh, man. Escape is futile. Just one more video. Get stuck in our web. TNT Radio. Live. Okay, welcome back to State of the Nation. Our guest is Julie Harris. She's the newly elected president of the National Federation of Republican Women. And uh, Julie, thank you for hanging in through the headline break there. Now, I, I, you were saying that uh, you feel fairly confident uh, that Republican uh, women uh, will rally around the flag, kind of a rally around the flag cause once our nominee is set in stone. Yeah. Well, it looks like the nominee's pretty much set in stone, but Nikki Haley's not letting it go. In fact, this past Saturday, she did a skit on Saturday Night Live, of all places, to slam Trump. Now, I know you're not responsible for Nikki Haley, 
But I would like to kind of get your perspective on what you think she is thinking, because, you know, they may say, oh, she says she always likes to go out there and say independents won't vote for him. Moderates won't vote for him. Yeah. OK. Even if that were true, no Trump supporter is going to vote for her. And I'd say they outnumber uh, this little section that subsection that she's going for. What do you think is the game plan with Nikki Haley here? Well, I certainly can't speak for her. I know what she's thinking and uh, didn't see Saturday Night Live. But what what I was saying, and it's been a discussion, you know, everyone presumes that Trump is going to win. And recently, as you know, the RNC even talked about declaring him the winner and Trump asked, asked them not to. And so when we were asked at the NFRW um, how we felt about this, our position is this. There are two candidates in the race. And if we feel like based on polls, based on pundits, based on um, what we're reading uh, from all of those who seem to have the pulse on the voters, if, if we're going to take their word for it and declare a winner, then why do we have primaries? Why don't we just let the pundits pick it? So we're, we're at NFRW, we're going to stand with the democratic process that we have. We're going to let the voters decide. I had made a commitment when I was running uh, not to be anti any candidate. Um, I'm pro Republican. Our Republican platform is what I ran on. And there are still a lot of Republican platform. There are a lot of uh, Republicans who consider themselves to be platform Republicans. And so I want the process to work, even though we we can all see the same things, you know, call it reading the tea leaves. If you will, we're going to let the process work and not encourage one candidate or the other to get out of the race. We're going to be ready, as I said, on day one to help that Republican nominee win. That's probably a very smart position, especially when you look back to 2015 and you look back to what the pundits were saying yep. and what the polls were saying. Uh, things turn upside down real quickly. And again, well, in I, 2020. I remember in um, Bush, when Bush ran, D George W. was running for re-election. I was working the polls. I was newer uh, in the party at that time, been in, a, been in a little while, but certainly not the 20 years I have been now. And I remember as we were calling uh, the voters to get out the vote, and that was back in the day where you had Excel spreadsheets. We didn't have these nifty little apps. And we had the news on in the headquarters and hearing how he had already lost, all the exit polls he had lost. But yet on the ground, as we were calling, he was winning. And so, you know, I, I've learned through my 20 years, just let the process play out. Don't the NFRW doesn't want to be in the way or, or in between a candidate and the voter. We want to help facilitate um, our Democrat process and, and be there to celebrate our women. Now, I, as a president and our state presidents and our club presidents, those are the only ones who, by policy, cannot weigh in on a particular primary candidate. But our thousands of members across the United States do weigh in. They have their favorite candidate. They work the polls. They work in the campaigns. And so NFRW puts someone on the ground in all four of those early states just to be there to watch our women in action, just to be there to celebrate the work that they're doing and waiting for the voters to make the final decision. Wow. Well, I'll say this, Julie, it's easy to see why you got the job. I mean, you're very, <laughs> you're very, very diplomatic the I way you it. answer these questions, but, but, it, but, but it, a very good answer. And I, and I, and I agree with you there. Uh, but you know, 
we'd be kidding ourselves if we if we didn't say that there is a schism in the Republican Party right now, mm-hmm. uh, specifically between the House and the Senate. Um, yeah. We were talking earlier about this this bill that came through, thanks to Mark Langford being pushed heavily by McConnell. Uh, Mike Johnson, Speaker Johnson, has come has said you know, he didn't waste any time. He said it's DOA when it gets to the House. That's gone. Um, if the if the Republicans are not monolithic, and I agree with you, we're not. The same could never be said about the Democrats. They are monolithic. They walk in lockstep. Yeah. Sometimes it's good to be a little bit monolithic if you want to get stuff done. I guess. How do you think, as as from your perch, how do you see? this chasm being divided, I mean, being fixed, how, how is that going to happen? Well, my, my hope is that when that Republican nominee emerges, we see more unity from our leaders, from our national leaders. We cannot have another election where we have an anti, our, our leaders being anti the Republican nominee. Um, I think that that would do a lot. I, I am hopeful. One of the things that's required of the National Federation of Republican Women is for their president to have a residence in our nation's capital during her two-year term in office. And part of that reason is to build relationships with our members and to do, you know, to represent the thousands of voices of the Republican women. And I'll certainly be doing my part to bring unity. And I know that I have talked to a few of the members and I've asked them, uh, when our candidate emerges, are we going to see any of this anti whatever whoever the candidate may be? And I've had several tell me that there'll be a voice in the room to try to prevent that. But it, it really is. Our national leaders have got to come together for the good of the country. That is the solution. I'll do my part and I'll be encouraging the Republican women to do their part. Well, you know, what you're saying right here is definitely going to resonate with a lot of our viewers. And I'm I'm curious, is is membership exploding right now? I mean, we're we're glad to have you here. Hopefully we can contribute to that. This sounds like, um, you know, a, a group and an initiative that is effective, has a long running track record. What's membership looking like right now? And, and how important is that solidarity going to be when it comes down to t- start checking boxes and, and campaigning? Well, it's very important because any state or I would even say any county, any city that has a a Republican women's club, whether it's the local or the state federation, they're going to be stronger. They're going to be stronger with the results in the Republican, not only in the primaries, but in the general as well, because that's where you get your volunteers. That's where you get the movers and the shakers. Um, So our membership is growing and I encourage Um, Any county, any state, any central, whatever the case may be, I know that each state has a little different structure with their local parties, but I say look look into us and uh, reach out to me. We're happy to help you grow your membership, start a Republican women in your area if you don't have one. Um, Our membership's doing well. We're only in the first month, and so we're up and running, and our goal is to have 70,000 by the end of the year. It's not too far off. It's just a slight uh, a little bit more than what our three-year average is, but uh, we, I think our three-year average for the last three years has been around 62, 63,000, but we've been as high as 100,000. So that's what we're aiming for this year. We're going to start with 70 and and uh, jump that goal up for next year once we reach our 70,000. 
Yeah, well, I hope that you reach that 70,000 soon and then top out at over 100,000 and <laughs> uh, and then continue to grow from there. Where can where can uh where can folks go to sign up and 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 get that real quick, Julie? nfrw.org. nfrw.org. Julie Harris, National Federation for Republican Women. God bless you. Thank you for joining Thank us today you. on State of Thank the Nation. We hope this is the first of many visits. You have a wonderful day. Thank you. All right. There she goes. You are watching and listening to State of the Nation, and we will be right back on today's News Talk TNT. With his expert analysis and opinion, this is TNT Radio's Timothy Shea. Oh, no. Could the squad soon be a thing of the past? Well, based on the hot water that Democrat representatives Cori Bush from Missouri and Ilhan Omar, her brother's wife from Minnesota, are in, all signs point to yes, outcome likely. What am I talking about? Well, according to Representative Byron Donalds of Florida, Cori Bush has diverted campaign funds into some questionable security expenses. And Omar was filmed in Somalia saying she's Somalian first and Muslim second. Didn't seem to be a mention of the United States or her oath of office to the Constitution in there. The sooner we're well shot of these people, the better. They're clearly here based on intersectionality, not intellect. And nothing will become them so much as they're leaving. From MAGAinstitute.com, this is Timothy Shea for today's News Talk TNT. While serving in Vietnam, a grenade took my ability to see. Today, I'm a sculptor creating new visions. Now, my fingers are my eyes. As a veteran, I know the challenges of life can be great. In my art, turning a lump of clay into something beautiful, that means a lot to me. Life is like that. We each must use what we can to make things better. DAV helps veterans like Michael get the benefits they've earned. They help more than a million veterans every year in life-changing ways. Now, I show others how they can create something with their own hands. With support from DAV, more veterans can shape their lives into a thing of beauty. My victory is bringing beauty into the world. Michael Naranjo, may your victories inspire many more. Support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. Critically analyzing national affairs, this is State of the Nation with Steve Hook and Brian McLean on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Okay, welcome back to State of the Nation. Well, a whole bunch of polls have come out recently, and none of them are very good for Biden. Some of them are a little bit better for Haley. Kind of makes you wonder where these polls are headed, but it looks like Trump is going to be the guy, and Biden's not doing good. Americans, by and large, look at the border, and they consider it Biden's broken border. 62% disapprove of Biden's handling on the border. Uh, Americans are concerned that the border is being exploited by China, drug cartels, and terrorists, and that's because it is. Two-thirds, a full 67%, uh, say that we should all, that, that, uh, legislation legislators should be voting on border, Israel, and Ukraine separately. They shouldn't all package it into one. Only 25% of Americans, 25% of Americans say the world is safer since Biden became president. Uh, makes you wonder what those people are smoking. Joining us now to discuss this is pollster, American 
uh, from American Pulse Research and Polling. He's a regular to the show. We welcome him back, Dustin Olson. Dustin, hello, brother. Welcome back to State of the Nation. How are you today, man? It, I'm doing great. It's great to be with you guys. Yeah, it's good to have you back. Um, want to talk about some polls recently. Now we've got mm -hmm. the NBC poll that just recently dropped. Basically, by every metric, uh, Biden is kind of really hurt. Economy, he's underwater. Uh, the border, he's way underwater. Uh, yep. Foreign policy, he's underwater. Um, I, I don't see any bright spots for Democrats other than he's running against Trump. What does your own polling tell you? So you, you mentioned a couple of our numbers there. It's uh, it's pretty dire for him. And we've actually been tracking this the border issue for uh, about four months. And it's very clear to us that uh, it's only getting worse for Biden. And this idea of putting all the, the bills together, um, Americans are not happy with that. Um, as, you, as you mentioned, 67 percent oppose that. They'd like to have these things voted on separately. But actually, when we ask them about Israel, Ukraine, Taiwan, and also the border. Uh, Americans prioritize the border as the, the number one uh, of those priorities that they would like to have get handled by, by Congress. Though, as you guys probably know, I'm sure you've talked about plenty on your show is that, uh, you know, Trump fixed the border through executive action, and then Biden broke the border through executive action. So you could go back to fixing it pretty quickly through executive action. So um, I think uh, mostly you, you probably just saw there's a new poll that came out today by INI and TIP that uh, shows that uh, Americans would like to have Biden approve the border wall, and which would be quite something if that actually were to happen. But, uh, <laughs> uh, but people are very clear about this. Well, Dustin, I noticed there's a... Uh a number, I can't remember the exact number, uh, earmarked for border wall, but we all know it's going to be a completely useless, uh, more like a, like a cattle gate. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like just trying to get people to more convenient places to process them rather than an act. Like the idea of a border wall is something that secures the border. I don't think that's what they're talking about. And you know, this this stat that you guys came up with, only 25% of Americans say the world is safer since Biden became president. I just got to echo what, what Steve is saying there. Like, what are you guys smoking? It must be uh, pretty potent over there. Yeah, it's, um, it's amazing. You know, actually, this is this is one of my favorite things as a pollster. Um, it it's never fails. It's between about 22% and 27% will say anything like that uh, their house is haunted or whatever like it doesn't matter whatever question you ask you're going to have 22 to 27 percent who are smoking something and that's that's a pretty <laughs> pretty common you, you once i say that you can look at almost any poll and you're going to see that there's uh, enough people about 25 percent of the electorate that will that will say anything but on the other side of that 55 percent say that the the world is less safe with about 47 percent who say it's much less safe since he took off office. And this is the, this is the thing, you know, I, uh, a, a number of times I'm on panels and I have a Democrat and, and I represent the Republicans and they will bring up this talking point of chaos. You know, Donald Trump is the chaos candidate. And, uh, and as I remember it, the world was pretty stable until the pandemic under the, under the Trump administration. And yet it's like a, a cognitive dissonance that people are experiencing because the truth is 
there's chaos around the world and it's breaking out constantly. And, and actually in this poll, I think last time we were on, we talked about one of our polls. We've been asking every few months, do you believe that the absolute collapse in Afghanistan and the perceived weakness of the Biden administration, if that led to Ukraine? And people say yes. And did that lead to um, Israel's, uh, the, the invasion of Israel? And they say yes. And on and on, you now see in the last few weeks, a lot of the activity from Iran. And people say that they believe that that's because of it as well. So, you know, there's chaos at the border, there's chaos in Ukraine, there's chaos in the Middle East. And there's, you know, chaos in people's, um, their family budgets. People feel chaos uh, all the time from this, this current president. Yeah, Dustin. And, you know, that's a great point because, and, and by the way, it's a point that did not, was not lost on Trump. Trump has been campaigning on that. I mean, in fact, he answered a question brilliantly to that very point. He said, chaos. You think I was chaos? Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> you better take a look around. Uh, to me, chaos is, I don't know drumming up a fake dossier that seems a little bit chaotic or yep, uh, accusing accusing uh the president of the united states of colluding uh with uh with vladimir putin when they knew full well it wasn't true that's rather chaotic so yep. i mean this is projection and i think cognitive dissonance you said i think is the perfect way to to, to, to put this uh, let me uh, this is a question i don't know if you're gonna be able to answer but it's one that i know hesher it's driving hesher and i nuts We've seen, and we just spoke to the recently elected president of the National Federation of Republican Women, Julie Harris, and I mentioned to her, there is a schism, there is a chasm of difference uh, in the Republican Party right now. And I'm wondering yeah. if your polling has reflected any of this. We see what happened in the Senate regarding this immigration bill that was pushed by uh, Langford, uh, no doubt authored by McConnell and other rhinos. I imagine John Cornyn was somewhere in the building. Uh, and then you see on the other side in the House, you've got Speaker Johnson saying, uh, don't even bring that junk around here. It's like a couple of guys playing hoops in a, on a concrete court. I'll smack that junk away. I mm -hmm. mean, he's saying it's DOA. What does your polling suggest? Where does America sit on this? Seems to me like you're saying that Americans are with Mike Johnson on this and President well, Trump. Well, they are, especially on the process. You mentioned the 67% who would like to see these things done separately. That's how the House has approached it. And that is actually in line with the, with the American people. And in our polling, people want the border to be handled more so than other things. You know, I'm a supporter of Israel, but even Israel doesn't make it to the, the same level of border security that uh, the American people want. Um, you know, I'm a supporter of, of Taiwan. And, and that was actually uh, last as far as the priorities go. So the American people, are very fed up with the process. I actually don't know when the vote's going to happen. That maybe something's changed today that I haven't uh, I haven't heard. But as they said last week, it was going to be on Wednesday, and the bill came out this morning. That's less than forty eight hours to actually deal with it. I mean, this is this is the kind of process stuff that really has the American people lose confidence in political leaders. And when you look at the the party, in both parties. I was on a, a program with the chairman of the DC Democrats yesterday. Very nice fella. I don't think he has um, any kind of really necessarily radical views on immigration because the truth is in both parties, this isn't really a right, it's not really a Republican versus Democrat frame or a liberal versus conservative frame. There is large majorities in both parties who believe um, 
securing your border is just a given. And there's a there's a, an extreme minority in both parties who have an outsized amount of power, you know, kind of the chamber billion dollar industry folks who'd like to have a second class working class in this country that, uh, you know, illegal immigrants that are cheap labor. And then you have on the other side, you have the George Soros billionaires who are, you know, uh, destroying law and order in this country. And they're, they're both, those are wagging the dog. And I think people are pretty fed up with it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you've got some really high fidelity on some of these numbers too, with regards to the, um, percentage of Americans that don't want to see an omnibus bill, uh, Trojan horsed as some sort of Southern border protection bill, as you just pointed out, I mean, maybe break some of those numbers down. I'm noting that um, most strikingly, 51% of Democrats say vote separately on border Israel and Ukraine. So that's yep. pretty indicative of uh, what you're saying here, this bipartisan sort of thing. Yeah, it really, it's, it's, it is interesting. On uh, Well, one thing I'd like to go to, so actually on all the numbers that I think we probably sent over to you guys today, when it came to separately voting separately on the border, Israel and Ukraine, 51% of Democrats, 75% of independents, 81% of Republicans all agree that they should be considered separately. Then when you go to, I think this is... Uh, when we, when we first asked this, it was pretty prescient. You see all the different, actually the legacy media is now covering these stories about uh, China um, possibly sending people through the border, um, terrorist activity, you know, um, record numbers of known terrorists making it through. And that's just what we know about. But uh, uh, 84% of Republicans, 74% of independents, and 45% of Democrats believe that the open border is being exploited by China, drug cartels, and terrorists. So on this issue, it really does go beyond party. And previously, we had seen that generally Biden's uh, approval and his disapproval would track with his approval and disapproval of his handling of the economy. And that's been pretty consistent and that's not been great. And so he's, you know, had historic disapproval levels, but it seems to me, and if something terrible were to happen in the country based off of the vulnerabilities at the border, I think it's definitely going to track it, but his 62% who disapproved in our last survey of his handling of the border. And I guarantee you that it's actually um, higher than that. His disapproval is starting to track um, his handling of his overall disapproval starting to track his handling of the border. And uh, wow. I think it's a killer for him. Yeah. I, 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 it, as far as I'm concerned, it's unrecoverable. I just, yeah. I don't know. He's not going to all of a sudden cognitively become much better. He's yeah. not going to all of a sudden ideologically switch position because he'd blow out his, his entire base, what dwindling base he has left. And, and I think that, you know, Dustin, you said something there that really kind of made me think, and that is this is across party lines. And mm -hmm. that kind of goes to why, not just Republicans, why politicians, uh, but in this case, it's mostly the left, is so quick to play these identity politics. Let's balkanize the electorate. Let's get them apart, get them fighting with each other so they can't come to an agreement with each other. Well, now all of a sudden, people are starting to come in agreement with each other. Blue cities like New York are seeing cops beating in the street. In L.A., you've got people crapping in the streets. You've got druggy zombies in Philly and in San Francisco. People are starting to come together, and this whole idea of divide them so they'll fight amongst themselves, it's starting to wear thin with the, uh, with, with the electorate, don't you think? 
Yeah. And, you know, the red state governors who started busing uh, illegal immigrants to the big blue cities really did make a make a difference. In December, we did a poll in New York City. I'm not sure if we've talked about it. But we did a, a poll of New York City voters. You know, this is not a, a, a red bastion by any means. And in New York City, um, a plurality of voters say that they want somebody who will protect New York taxpayers over um, doing the sanctuary city policies and that they would oppose sanctuary city um, um, policy politicians, as well as this is also very interesting. It showed that in a Democratic primary that Andrew Cuomo, the disgraced governor, would actually beat the current incumbent mayor because of his you know, absolute failure dealing with the migrant crisis. So it really has brought it home to uh, a lot of places that haven't actually had to deal with the problems with the border. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, okay. Uh, we, we also, when you visit us, we like to flag up some of the things that the legacy media is saying about polls and kind of get your response from them. Mm-hmm. Um, here's one I flagged up. Uh, Trump narrowly leads Biden in general election rematch. This is a poll from last week. I saw it on one of the mainstream outlets and, uh, Another one, uh, maybe to uh, counteract that one, we'll take your comment on Biden faring worse than all recent presidential incumbents in modern history. Yep. Yeah, I mean, if you, if you look at the, uh, the the tracking polls for presidents with their disapproval, I think he's he's down there with uh, with Carter as far as disapproval at this time. Now, of course, looking at polling over decades, you know, a lot of the methodology changes, so it is a little bit suspect. But you know, there's so much that's like uh, the Carter presidency at this time, and. Uh, of course, there's not, history never repeats itself. It just, you know, it, we sometimes think it does, but it really doesn't. Um, I, I, I would say that the there's only one poll that I've seen that actually showed good news for Biden. It was the Quinnipiac poll that showed him up like six points. I don't know if you guys saw that. And I would just tell people I don't like to dish on uh, other pollsters, but Quinnipiac is not a legitimate poll. They, they, it's of it's of adults and. Uh, and we all know that adults in America, that is not, that's not credible. It needs to be likely voters or at a minimum needs to be registered voters. People actually can participate in the election. So um, that, that is, uh, that's the only one that I've seen that has him ahead. And, and it's, you know, it's just not credible. Yeah, we talked about it last week, uh, last Friday, in fact, uh, that very poll, uh, Dustin, and it certainly does seem like an outlier. And really, (laughs) the focus of that poll, more than anything, from what I could tell, was Haley should be the nominee because Haley wins and and Trump loses. And, And it's like, okay, well, first of all, Trump voters are not voting for Haley. So that poll means nothing. It means less than nothing. But sometimes even pollsters, I guess, uh, take part in projection. Um, I mean, even the CNN poll that came out today uh, says uh, Trump's up by, uh, I think, two, three percent, probably within the margin of error. But even CNN is reporting that Biden is kind of into the uh, he's in the sucking eggs range at this point. Yep. Well, it's interesting. You mentioned the the polls that have that have shown Nikki Haley being able to win the general election. And there's not as many of those currently. Uh, I would just say as a Republican strategist who helps a lot of candidates 
win their elections. Uh, and people can go to either AmericanPulse.us or OlsonStrategies.com. You can find out about that if you want want help running for office. But there you specifically, go. specifically um, with Nikki Haley, she's not been vetted on the national scene. Before, right. So. We'll see. Dustin, we got to go. Here comes the clock. Listen, we appreciate right. you. Dustin Olson, we'll have you back real soon as things warrant. We appreciate you being with us today on State of the Nation. Stick around, folks. The Misty Winston Show is coming up next on today's News Talk TNT. Until tomorrow, goodbye.